Hello friends, I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles today, I want to talk to you about the power of repetition. The last few weeks, we've been kind of going back to the original mandate that God gave us four years ago when we planted this church was to birth this new normal, right? The new normal, as you just saw, one of the families explaining, it's, it's a new family dynamic, new priorities, new focus. And in order to attain this new normal and keep it, you have to learn the process of repetition. And so if you have your scriptures today, I'm going to be in Psalm chapter 1. I'm going to read three verses to you. And, uh, and I highly encourage you to take some notes today. I believe God's going to deposit some things in us. It's going to help us. Can you say amen? But the Bible says this. Bless is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields his fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Can you say a Man, I love this psalm because I believe the psalm really summarizes this whole concept of new normal. I believe the psalm is what all of us want. We want to be blessed. The word blessed, if you take your notes, is the word happy, fulfill, content. Raise your hand if you don't want to be happy, fulfill, or content. Right? That is... The quest of humanity, whether you are a believer, a Buddhist, you know, Muslim, you know, if you're a human being, you want to be happy, you want to be fulfilled, and you want to be content. That is the driving force of why we wake up in the morning. That's why we work. That's why we do the things that we do. We want to be happy. We want to be fulfilled. We want to be content. Is, is everybody with me so far? I just want to make sure I'm talking to the right people, you know. And, and, and the Bible tries to give you pictures to illustrate how you live this blessed life. And so the psalmist says, Bless, a blessed person is like a tree planted by the streams of river, right? Now picture that for a second. I mean, if you can see it, right? A tree planted by the tree of river. Like you want to, this is how you live a blessed life. You want to be like a tree. The goal is to be a solid tree, right? A solid tree will bear fruit, a solid tree will be healthy, right? A solid tree doesn't just bless itself. Have you ever seen a tree shade its own self? Hello, somebody. A solid tree is always projecting to others, right? It says you want to be blessed, you got to be like a tree. Now, let's, let's go back to school for a second just to, just, to, just to bring back to memory how a tree grows, a healthy tree, right? How does it start, right? What's the first thing you need to get a tree. What's the first thing you need? You need seeds, right? You, 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 you get some seeds, you, you, you plant the seeds, and then what's the, 
next most important thing that a tree needs? Well, it needs sun first, right? Sunlight is critical to a tree, right? It needs tons and tons and tons of sunlight because sunlight is what gives the nourishment, the nutrients that the tree needs. And then it needs water, as you just said, right? You need water to to, to continue to help this tree grow. And then the fourth ingredient that a lot of people don't talk about, it's not in the books, is the fact that you need a lot of patience, How many know if you plant that tree, it grows tomorrow, you should run, like really fast. Like if I plant the tree today in my backyard and tomorrow is grown, I'm never going back to that house, like ever again. Why? Because it doesn't happen overnight, right? The process is there's seeds, there's sunlight, there's water, and then there's patience, right? And then... That process needs to be repeated again and 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 again for you to have a healthy tree, right? The process of repetition is a powerful thing if you have the right things that you're repeating over and over again. Are you tracking? Now, let's bring this closer to us this morning, right? If you're, if you're tracking with me, spiritually speaking, it's the same way. How do you begin a journey with God is through a seed. Jesus said the word of God is like a seed, right, that gets planted in your heart. Your heart is a soil, the Bible says. It says it depends on your heart. It depends on what kind of fruit you produce based on your heart, right? Your heart is a soil. That's why I tell you every week before I preach is, are you open? Because God's going to throw you the ball, but if your hands are down, you're not a good soil. You've got to be a good receiver. What do the receivers do? They run their route, and they just always put their hand out just in case you're coming my way. Right? A receiver runs every route believing it's coming to me because you don't know when it's going to come to you. That's a message in itself right there. That's, that's just what that's just we'll preach. That's just what we'll preach. Some people never receive because they never open. The worst prayer you ever pray, God, if you want to, you can pass me the ball. I'm here. I am open. Fall. <laughs> That's how people do church. It's like, no wonder you leave the same. Right? I don't know about you. I got one chance a week. Fall. Like, I, hit me. I don't have time to play cool. Oh, uh, <laughs> Look at these guys. They think they're wide receivers. I'm here to block. I'm blocking God. Hello, somebody. <laughs> oh, that's not even in my message. I'm just flowing. I'm just flowing. But you need seeds. Seed is the word of God. It has to be planted in your spirit. You're here today because someone planted a seed. None of us got here by accident or mistake. Every single one of us, whether you're here for the first time, a hundred times, at some point someone planted a seed in you and you were able to, to, to see that seed grow. But let's be real and honest that it didn't happen overnight. Right? Because you need a lot of sunlight. And when I say sunlight, I don't mean S-U-N. You need a lot of time with the S-O-N to be able to develop into the person that God created you to be. The disciples spent three years with him, and they were still like, uh, wh- wh- who are you? 
right? A lot of sunlight. It's critical that we spend a lot of time with Jesus, the S-O-N, if we're going to be the people that he created us to be in the first place. And you need a lot of water, right? The Bible says that this is the living water. This is where you go to nourish your soul. This is where you go to get deeper to understand this is who he created me to be. I am meant to be like a tree planted by the streams of water. I'm meant to produce life. I'm meant to give life. I'm meant to be a blessing. I'm meant to be everything that God created me to be. This is where I get my nutrition for life. And then I need a lot of patience. You can't produce patience. Remember the last time you tried? Remember last time you said today I'm going to be really patient? It was the worst day of your life. Right? Patience is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Right? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says, I'll bring fruits. I will bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's Galatians. How do I know that? Because I spend time in this thing, and I'm trying to live this thing out. This is not just a message. This is a life. Right? It takes patience to become the tree that God created you to be. And, and those things have to keep happening again and 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 again. What did you learn in church today? Again and again and again and again. The process of repetition is powerful because we all want to live blessed lives. The problem is in order to live a blessed life, I must learn the process of repetition. It doesn't just follow my lap. It's not magic. It's living intentional. When you live an intentional life, things happen not by accident, not by mistake, but by intention. Can you say amen? The problem is sometimes people don't realize that we say we want to live blessed lives, but then you look at the repetition, it doesn't coincide with what we say we want for our lives. Can you say amen? And so listen, write this down, please. Repetition is the key. Why? Because the Christian walk is a long obedience in the same direction. I'm actually reading a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction right now by Pastor Eugene Peterson. Say, you want to go the long distance, then learn to have a long obedience in the same direction. Not different directions, but the same directions. We learn and grow by repetition. I remember one time, I was having one of those awkward conversations you need to have once in a while in church. This was going back to when I was a youth pastor, you know, young adult pastor in, in Smithfield, Rhode Island. And uh, I need to have one of those conversations with someone who was not the best thing for the team. And, and so... <laughs> She is bringing the team down, and she's being negative, and everybody knows it. And I'm like, okay, it's got to a point we need to have that conversation, which is never a fun conversation to have, but it goes two ways. The conversation usually goes the way a person's soil is developed. That's so good. I, see, a lot of times we think the conversation is based on you. It's usually based on the other person's heart condition to receive what the conversation is about. Right? It can go two ways. Right? If you have good soil, you might see this as a moment to grow. Or if, you, if your soil is not well developed, you might see this as a moment to get offended. It all depends on the condition of the heart. 
right? And so this time, it, it didn't go so well. And so what happens when it doesn't go well is what do we do? We find ways to protect ourselves by projecting things onto the other person that we don't feel like they're on the same page with us. That's how usually conversations go, right? When we get offended, I want to offend you, (laughs) right? Like Steve Harvey said one time, he said my neighbor said something crazy to my son, and, and I got offended. I went to his house and knocked on the door. And I said, next time you say that to my, friend, my son, I'm going to just not kill you. I'm going to kill your whole family. <laughs> and then he goes, then I got convicted as a Christian. And I didn't know what else to say to him. The only thing that came to mind is, he's like, the only thing that came to mind is the verse, Jesus wept. <laughs> and he walked away. <laughs> But this girl was so heated that she, t- she gave one of the best lines of all time. Like, I've been a pastor for a while. People say crazy things when they don't mean it, when they, you know, all that. But this girl right here to me was a Hall of Fame line. <laughs> Hall of Fame line. I'll never forget it. She was so upset. And she said, you know what? Working with you is like hell. <laughs> I was like, you go, girl. At least you said it. You said it with your chest. <laughs> I didn't say that to her. It's the conversation I have in my head when I, <laughs> I have it with this stuff. And then the follow-up was the best, though, because, you know, after we talked for a while and she's heated, she said, you know what, you know what, anyways, anyways, all you do is preach about the same stuff anyways. To which the punk in my head said, if you only were putting them into practice, maybe we wouldn't have this conversation right now. <laughs> Because it's the power of repetition that brings change. The power of repetition that brings transformation. It brings healing. It brings restoration. It brings power. It brings deliverance. It brings the breakthrough that we want in our lives. If we only put it into practice, the things we already know. Everybody wants new revelation, but you haven't put anything into practice that you already know. The Bible is not hard. Because God's not going to reveal more to us if we haven't already put the practice in what he already revealed to us in the first place. But hey, if you only put one thing into practice in the Bible, you'll go a long way. Love your neighbor. Just try that. Just try that. Forget the book of Revelations. Love your neighbor. <laughs> Maybe you'll understand the book of Revelations better if you love your neighbor. Right? The power of repetition is powerful. It's what it made you who you are today for good or bad. The things you repeat over and over again are either blessing your life or regressing your life. The power of repetition is the reason why some people are stuck. And the power of repetition is the reason why some people are seeing breakthroughs. It's all about the condition of your soil, your heart, and what you're pushing forward. Can you say amen? Listen, I want to give you three things every single day that we all, you're already doing it. You just got to pay attention to how you're repeating these things. Every single day, we all do this. We have repetition of confession, attitude, and action. Every single day, all of us, you may not say confession, attitude, and action, but every day you confess things. Every day you have an attitude, and every day you have a certain action. And they usually trickle down. Your confession leads to your attitude, and your attitude leads to your actions. Let me give you a practical example. You get up in the morning, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is a confession. 
Right? Can you imagine you get up in the morning, you open your eyes, and the first confession is, I'm alive. Someone else didn't make it. I made it. I'm already winning this morning. I, I, I woke up. That's a blessing. Can you imagine you wake up, you open your eyes, and you see a ceiling, and you go, whoa, I have a roof over my head. Someone didn't have a roof over, my, over their heads. I already winning twice. I woke up, and I got a roof over my head. And you go downstairs in the kitchen, and you go, I got options? Because my kids be like, Dad, we got nothing to eat. We got nothing to eat? Someone has zero options. And here we are, I got like four or five cereals. Bootlegged cereal. Cereal cereal. Like, I mean... Can you imagine the kind of day you would have if that's the confession of your mouth? I am so thankful to be alive, to have a roof, to have options. Can you imagine you would get up in the morning and you know you have a job to go to because someone else doesn't? Instead of, I got to go to work. Someone would love to have that job you're complaining about. Can you imagine if that's the confession of our mouths? Can you imagine instead of complaining about your significant other, you begin to appreciate the fact that you do have a significant other? Because if you drop them real fast, someone's like, God sent this way. This way. You know what they say, one man's thing is another man's, you know. You know, the thing you're complaining about, someone's like, God, drop it. I'm a right receiver. I got my hands up. I'm ready to receive. You blocking yours, I'm here like, punt it. Punt it. It's amazing how your day will go based on your confession. It's amazing how your confession affects your attitude. You ever see people who refuse to smile? Hmm. Always look like they're having a stroke. Like some of y'all right now, you're trying very hard. Keep trying. <laughs> Not to smile. Why? Because we made up our minds. I'm, I, I went to go do youth the other day. You think they're so cool. One kid was like, I said something really fucking see him. He's like. I'm like, bro, let it go. Safe space. Smile is free. Oh, you gotta be so cool. I, I can't see my boys can't see me smile. <laughs> your confession and your attitude goes hand in hand. It takes more work to not smile. Did you know that? All your muscles are like tight. Muscles are like, please help me go. Let me go. You know. Your confession and your attitude leads to your actions. It's a domino effect. It's a domino effect. I think I've said this before. I was, a, I was a high school teacher for nine years. Kids walk in grumpy. I'm like, how can you have a bad day? It's eight o'clock in the morning. You've only been up for an hour. If that. Why? Because of a confession that leads to an attitude, that leads to an action. But it's a daily repetition thing. Some people have never stopped to ask the question, why am I having a bad day? Some people just go about having a bad day without asking ever, why? Can I tell you some of the most healthiest conversations you'll ever have is with yourself? I don't know about you, but once in a while, you know what I tell myself? What are you whining about? Like, what is your problem? 
What is wrong with you? You don't talk to yourself like that? Man, I see some, man, you need to get over yourself. Stop being a victim. Stop it. Stop it. It's too much energy wasted. You know, the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm grateful to be alive today. I'm going to take full advantage of the fact that I am alive. I got a roof over my head. I'm going to work. I got a paycheck. I got a wife. I got children. I got a car. Did you know this? That if you have a car, you're richer than 95% of the world. 95% of the world. A new statistic just came out. They said if you make $32,000 a year, you are in the 1% of the world population. The world population. $32,000 a year. You're like, Trump. Go to Haiti. Go to Cape Verde. People live on less than a dollar a day. You are so blessed. You ought to kick yourself in the face and thank God that you are blessed. Your confession, what are you confessing daily? Your attitude, what's your daily attitude? What do I do daily? Listen, the Bible is so powerful because you said it's a power of repetition that makes a healthy tree. Did you notice, first thing he says is, blessed are those who don't do certain things. Because there's power repetition in the things that you do and in the things you don't do. You want to be blessed, there are things you don't do. I see a lot of people say they want to be happy, but then you see the things they don't do. You're like, you don't want to be happy. That's just in your mind. I believe this, most people have a romantic idea of being happy. As opposed to an actual idea of being happy. An intentional idea. Because he said clearly, he said, he said if you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, fulfilled, content, there's some things you don't do. I always blow my mind when people are like, I'm always down for whatever. It's like, whoa, you got a lot of time on your hands. Hey, sometimes people are like, Pastor, I just want to come to the office and talk. I'm like, whoa, time out. You have, a, you have an appointment? Because we're busy. <laughs> it's not like just show up and let's just hang out. I don't know how your life is, but I got a schedule, right? And I get things done because I have a schedule. It's not I just get up and, oh, we'll do whatever comes to mind. And some people think that's a blessing. I don't know about you, but usually blessed people have a schedule, and there's things that they do, and there's things they don't do because they want to live a blessed life, right? But did you notice the pattern of the things you don't do? He said, blessed are those who don't walk, Stand or sit with sin. Did you see that? Bible does not make mistakes. Everything they do is for a reason and a purpose. Did you see the pattern there? He said, he said blessed people don't walk, stand, or sit with sin. What is sin? I remind you what sin is. Sin is anything that's keeping you from doing God's will. Or anyone who's keeping you from doing God's will. Right now, look at this. Look at this progression. Can you give me that chair for a second? Look at this progression. Right, really powerful concept. He said, "Listen, blessed people don't walk by it. Blessed people don't stand by it." Now, I need you to fill in the blanks where it is. 
because we're all unique. He said, worse, blessed people don't sit with it. Did you see the progression? A destructive pattern usually begins by you walked by it. Adam and Eve walked by that tree so many times, just walked by it. Right? What do young people say? I'm just going to drive by that party. Just didn't drive by it. Next thing you know, I'll hang for a little bit. Next thing you know, you're sitting with the very thing that's going to keep you from living a happy, fulfilled, content life. It breaks your heart. This is how addiction begins. I'm just hanging out with them. Next thing you know, I'm just holding it for them. Next thing you know, I guess I'll try it. And here we are sitting with dysfunction. He's a good guy. We're just hanging out. We're just grabbing coffee. Next thing you know, I'm sitting with dysfunction and wonder why I'm not happy, fulfilled, or content. Blessed people, don't walk by it. Don't stand by it. And worse, they don't sit with it. You got to fill in the blanks what the it is. Notice in the Bible, he didn't tell you what fruit it was for a reason. Because we would say, oh, it's avoid apples. (laughs) Just don't have apples, you're good. No, he's saying avoid anything that's going to keep you from the will of God, from the purpose of God, from from the things that he has for you. But I love the fact that he doesn't stay there. He doesn't just say, bless people, don't. Because a lot of times I see people live like that by what they don't do. I don't want to be a person who lives by what I don't do. I want to, live, I want to be a person who lives by what they do. A lot of times you ask people, why are you a Christian? And they tell you, oh, because I don't do these things. It's like, wait, that was the point? God didn't save you not to do some things? No, God saved you to do things. God saves you to be proactive. God saves you to live on the offense, not the defense. Like God saves you to keep making progress, to move forward, to see better things, to see better relationships, to see better positions, to see better promotions. Like God saves you to be a progressive person, not a regressive person. Not I'm a, I got here, I'm good. God saves you to keep moving forward. That's why I love when he says, he says, but. Every time you see a but in the Bible, there's a transition. But he says, the blessed person, the happy person, and fulfilled person takes delight in the law of the Lord. The word delight, if you're taking notes, is he enjoys it. Like he enjoys it. There's nothing more powerful when you enjoy something. Right? Today, the world will enjoy a Super Bowl. Like there's no much more powerful than enjoying a Super Bowl with wings. A lot of wings. <laughs> Like, you vegans out there, please, give yourself a break today. Like, for real. Don't preach me that gospel today. Like, I know it's good news and everything, but today, wings are the good news of the day. Can I just have a day without you having to post something on Facebook about how, you know, we're all dying? (laughs) You know, there's always that vegan trying to ruin your party. Do you know what they feed those chickens? I don't know. I'm feeding myself right now. Just feeding myself. Stop it. 
stop it. Tell me tomorrow. <laughs> Not today, vegans. Not today. Don't call him Satan. Come on. There's always that guy that goes too far. There's always that guy. Next thing you know, we'll have a peak fence sign out there. Not today's vegans. Relax. Come down, sir. <laughs> oh, man. We've got to avoid extremes, people. See, now I lost my train of thought. Things that I don't... Oh, listen. So, listen to me. Here's a couple of convictions that I believe blessed people have. First of all is this, the world and culture does not tell me who I am and what to do. Culture is meant to be redeemed, not enjoyed, not us becoming part of it. Jesus said, be in the world but not of the world, right? He said, don't become what I am trying to set you free from. You live in an environment, you go to a certain place, it doesn't mean you have to become part of the culture of that thing, right? Because blessed people don't conform. The second thing is this, don't live down to other people's standards. What happens when you get saved? Automatically, you are now distinct. You don't want to try to be, it's just that the reality is, Wherever there's light, darkness begins to repel. And so people say things like, oh, you think you're better than me? You think you're more holy than me? It's like, I'm not trying to think anything. It's the fact is, light will always expose darkness, not, by, not on purpose. It's just the reality of it. When you walk into a room and you put the light on, darkness has got to go. And so because of that, don't buy into that confession that tries to make you diminish your light. Be who God called you to be and let people come up to that level with you. Don't go down to that level with them right but he says he takes pleasure in the word pleasure you know pleasure is an acquired taste based on what you enjoy why do you go to a certain restaurant because you enjoy the food no one no one in their right mind goes to a restaurant to endure food unless you're a vegan Like, I got to eat this, right? But there's, there's an enjoyment that makes you want to come back to this restaurant, right? And so picture this. God, I pray you get this today. God is not saying, listen, get in this thing because I'm making you get into this thing. He's saying, take pleasure in what I'm trying to reveal to you. This is for you. Like, I went to the cross for you. This is, God's not up there going, I went to the cross for you. The least you can do is read your Bible. <laughs> and that's how people evangelize. <laughs> What's wrong with you? It's like, that's not the point. The point is to enjoy this thing. Because when I enjoy something, I go back to it. Right? When I enjoy it, I take pleasure in it. Right? Did you pray today? Well, Think about it this way, right? If it's a relationship, a relationship is meant to be enjoyed. Now you have moments of heartaches and, and pains and struggles, but at the end of the day, the key is we enjoy one another, right? Like you don't say to your wife, we're going on a date. Like, come on, let's go, we're going on a date. 
and we're going to spend an hour together. We sit down, we just, it's going to be an hour. I mean, you know, that's the worst date in the history of dating. Like, no, it's an enjoyable thing. Like, I take pleasure in this. Church, I pray we get this, because I know a lot of us grew up in churches where it's, it, the religious thing just sucks life out of you. Like, well, you had to do this. You have to do that. Don't cut your hair. Cut your hair. You don't hear. You better not wear pants. You, like, all this stuff just sucks life out of us. And we end up throwing God out with the bat. We're like, no, that's not the way God intended for it to be. It's supposed to be a relationship. It's supposed to be enjoyed. Like sometimes I just want to ask Christians, are you happy? And then of course, there's always the religious one be like, no, I am joyful. <laughs> joyful is the fruit of the spirit. Happy is when ha- ha- things have to happen for you to be happy. I'm like, but you're neither. You don't have joy and you don't have happiness. You know, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> the conversations up here. That's why I get in trouble. <laughs> but someone sent me a great meme the other day of a Christian. You know, nicely, neat, put together. Got his shirt tucked in <laughs> up here. And the meme said, I had fun once. It was awful. It's like, that's how some Christians live. Right? Can you think about it? Now, now let's picture heaven for a second if we can. It's hard, but let's, let's try it. Let's, let's say God is in heaven, right? And he's looking at us. Do you think he's going, you better read your Bible today. I'm not going to do one more thing for you if you don't read your Bible today. Hey, I don't know. I'm not sure that's God. Right? I'm not sure that's God. I, I, I think God is in heaven saying, I love you, son. Love to spend some time with you today. Love to be able to go deeper with you today. Love to be able to reveal some things to you that you don't know about me. You know? Hey, when the offering comes by, is that an obligation? <laughs> Do you think God's going, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Come on, angels. He's going to give today. He did it. Yay. Oh, you think God is broke? You're broke. He's trying to break you to break your bank. Wrong with you. It's crazy. Where do we get these ideas from? You know what happens? We project ourselves on who God is. We have to separate the two. God is not stingy. He's generous. God is a joyful God. He created the universe. He created you with a sense of humor. You forgot about that? Like I think humor should become part of a spiritual discipline. Where I just laugh just for the, just, just, just for laugh. Because life is too hard to keep holding all these muscles together and all this anxiety, all this stress, all this worry, all this frustration. How about you just let it go and let God be God in your life? It's an acquired taste. When Jesus comes into your life, you, he brings new cravings. 
I remember when I graduated from high school, my youth pastor, bless youth pastors, man, they try so hard. He gave me a CD, a worship CD. I hated it. Like, I felt obligated to listen to it because it was a gift. I'm converting. You're supposed to honor people when they bless you with something. Right? You ever wear something you don't want to wear? Because your grandmother gave it to you? She's like, Grandma. And then you go home and you take it off. You only wear it again when your grandmother sees you. That's how people approach religion. I hated it. So I'm like in the car trying to listen to the CD. It was like, come on. The song never ends. <laughs> Why? Because my heart wasn't transformed yet. It's an acquired taste. When you get saved, two years later when I got saved, worship became the life track, soundtrack of my life. Even today, like I have playlists for, for my life. It's my faith playlist. Right? Like, I never come in here without listening to certain songs. It just puts me in a certain place with God. Why? Because it's an acquired taste. I love the Lord. He loves me. We are on this journey together. It's not a forced thing. It's like there's a difference between wanting to and having to. He says, take the light. Like, like a blessed person loves the ways of the Lord. Just loves it. It's not hard for them to do it. Right? And he says this, right? He meditates, if you're taking notes. The word meditation is simple. He pauses and reflects. Can I tell you something? Everybody meditates. All of us are meditating. Everything right now that is consuming your mind is because you're meditating on it. For good or bad. Some people meditate on worry so much that they worry all day long. Some people meditate on what they don't have so much that they will never be able to appreciate what they have. Like, everybody's meditating. The key is, what is the object of your meditation? In other words, what do you make in your mind? You know what the Bible says? Focus your mind. In other words, your mind is not just going to focus itself. You have to focus it. Like, right now, your mind may be divided. It's up to you to tell your mind, and hey, we're going to be here in this moment, this day, receive what's right in front of us. He says he meditates. That's that's how you soak up the sun, the S-O-N. That's how you soak it to get to your bones, to get to your soul, to get to the core of you. Do you know that you have groove patterns in your mind that's been developed over the years that you need to set a new course for your mind if you're going to see the will of God being done in your life? You cannot operate on the same mindset that you had before you got saved. You cannot operate on the mindset that your parents had. You cannot operate on the mindset that the world has. You have to shift your mind to see the will of God. And the only way you're going to shift your mind is to pause and reflect on the things that God has already said about you, not how you feel about yourself, not how someone said about you, but he said, I created you. I formed you in your mother's womb. I have a plan for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you future. I need to stop every day to say, Lord, download your will over my mind. I want your will. I want to live a happy life. He says, he meditates. Listen, I want to make it practical for us that meditation is not as hard as you seem. You are already meditating. You just need to shift your mind. We need to pause, people, every day. We need to pause and unplug. Go to my next slide, please. You got to unplug daily. This thing is killing us. Slowly. 
It's taking away the juices of life away from us. Can I tell you, I, I love social media. I'm a progressive preacher. We use videos. We use everything. But can I tell you something? Sometimes I stop and say, is this thing doing more damage than good? Is it using me or am I using it? I need to pause and unplug daily to get my mind right. This is the power of repetition. If I do this every day, I'm creating new groove patterns in my mind. This is a scientific thing. This is not just a biblical thing because the Bible is rooted in science. That if I continue to project my mind, I'm going to see changes. See, I know some people need medicine to overcome depression, but sometimes you don't need medicine to overcome depression. You just need to unplug and let the Holy Spirit plug you in to who you are and begin to see life again. Some people stay depressed because they meditate on depression. Some people don't want to be happy. They made up their mind. This is what I want. And, and, and worst is, some people make friends with dysfunction because it feels good to have something to hold on to. Now that's a word. Some people would rather hold on to a hurt than to let it go. This, listen, this is where the rubber meets the road in my daily repetitions. When I sit quietly every day for at least 10 minutes, when I worship every day, read my Bible, go over my notes and say, Lord, it's our time together. The last four years since we moved here, I have a place that I go to. It's my place to be with the Lord. The Lord is everywhere, but there's something powerful about a designated place where you know this is our place. Just like when you go on dates, you have certain places you're like, this is our place. Right? Something powerful when you designate those times. Why? Because daily repetitions will add up after a while. I won't tell you where that place is because I don't want you showing up there. <laughs> Find your own. <laughs> but I told you, when we lived in the Fall River, we had two kids in a one-bedroom apartment. The bathtub became my place of solitude. Because it's like, if I don't get my mind right, I'm going to lose my mind. When I worked in a group home for three years, I would take bathroom breaks, not for bathroom's sake, but to sit in a stall and pray and say, Lord, give me the strength to continue to do this work because I don't want to kill these kids. I want to bless them. I want to bless them. Help me bless these kids, Lord. So all I want to do is kill them right now. Help me bless these kids, Lord. Confession. I want to bless them, not kill them. Stop, flesh. I want to bless these kids. It's something powerful when you do this on a day-to-day basis. You know, it shapes who you are. And the Bible says, here's the outcome of daily repetition. Verse 3, right? It says, here's what happens after a while, right? You bear fruit each season. Your leaves never wither, and you prosper in all you do. Leave that up. Isn't this what we want? This is what we want. I don't know anyone who who doesn't want to keep bearing fruit. If you've been a Christian for a while... Don't say, I remember 1985 when the Lord was moving mildly in my life. It's like, no, he said every season you will bear fruit. If, you, if your daily repetition is there, you're going to bear fruit. Like God is faithful to continue to prune you so you can bear more fruit. Right? Your leaves don't wither. Like In other words, you don't just shrivel up and die. You know what's the sad thing about church? Sometimes people are in church, but they're dead. The story of the prodigal sons has two sons. It's not just the one that went out and lived crazy life. How about the older son that stayed home but was dead? You could be home and be dead. 
if you're not plugged into the source of life. Showing up is half the battle. Plugging in is the other half. Right? We got this thing in this church. If we're going to clap, we all do it together. Because we're not Democrats at the uh, State of the Union. Like, there's unity in this house. Can we try that again? Can we all (laughs) clap together? By the way, before I get an email, this is not a shot on the Democrats. I'm not a Democratic. I'm not a Republican. My president is Jesus Christ. But I do honor the president because the Bible tells me to honor my president, to pray for him, to be a blessing in his life, not to curse him. So no emails, please. Bear fruit and you prosper in all you do. It's that we want. We want to prosper. I know the word prosperity is being jacked up by a couple of greasy preachers online. But the word prosperity is more than money. It's about flourishing. What happens when you do this? Your marriage prospers. Your children prosper. Your house prospers. Your relationships prospers. It's not just one area of life. You begin to see life. Because you're a tree. What happens to a tree? A tree gives life. A healthy tree cannot help but give life. You don't have to tell a tree, produce fruit. Will you? (laughs) No, a tree will produce. Because it's plugged into the source. It's going to give life. And like I said in the beginning, I've never seen a tree shade itself. A tree will always project on others. A tree will always give fruit for others to be a blessing. This is God's will for us, to be blessed, to be filled with life, filled with vigor. So much so that there's enough to go around to bless those around us. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? Come on, do you receive God's word this morning? Your daily repetitions. Make up your mind. You are blessed. Now to live and maintain a blessed life, you've got to have these repetitions. Blessed is the man who does not walk, stand, or sit with things or people who's sucking life out of you. Make up your mind. That, Lord, I'm blessed. Some things I won't do. But he delights in the law of the Lord. I love the Lord. I love his word. You know, next week we're going to start this series, Experiencing God. And, and it's about the fact that God speaks in so many ways. God speaks through creation. God speaks through experience. God speaks through hard times. God speaks through people. But one of the most powerful ways that God speaks is right here. He's already spoken. A lot of times people say, I don't hear God. But it's like, if this thing is closed, how can you? I hear people sometimes say, I wish I could hear God. I'm like, give him a chance to talk to you. That's where the meditation part comes in. When you sit down, give God a chance. A prayer life is a two-way street. It's not just me coming with my laundry list to God. As a pastor, so funny. Sometimes the best counseling sessions I have, I didn't say a word. Because the other person got all the word. And then this happened and that's happened. And then the conversation goes, 
I'm so glad I talked to you, Pastor. I'm like, yeah, me too. Uh, I'm so glad I listened. That's how some people pray. They just, uh, it's like, God, where are you? God, God's like, give me a chance. Like sometimes the most powerful time of church is this is the moment where we open the altar and we say just come and, and just spend some time with the Lord and let him download some things because your soil, you know what Jesus said? Your soil could receive something, but if it doesn't have roots, the enemy will snatch it away from you the moment you walk out this door. You need to grow roots for the word to take life. The only way it's going to grow roots if I spend time every day with the SON, watering the seed and being Letting the Holy Spirit produce life in me. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Heavenly Father, come. Fall, Lord, on your people. We are good soils, Lord. We are good soils, Jesus. Deposit your word. Deposit your truth. We want to live the blessed life. Empower us today to say no to the things and people who are sucking life out of us. But Lord, I pray, let there be a delight, let there be a craving for you, for your will, for your purpose, a longing to be with you, to spend time with you, and to let you download things over our lives. Spirit of Jesus, fall fresh on us. Every one of us, have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Come on, let's lift that up. Would you fall on us? I want to thank you for listening today and I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God and uh, hope to see you soon.